She weighs 186 tons. She's over 150 feet tall, and she's 135 years old. But if you ask me, she doesn't look a day over 129. She wears a size 879 shoe, but she prefers the cut of a sandal. And you've seen her in countless movies. She's even been destroyed a few times by asteroids and tidal waves, war, aliens, and maybe even monkeys one time. Her given name is Liberty Enlightening the World, but you know her as the Statue of Liberty. And she's one of those iconic symbols of our nation and of the freedom that we love. And it's there at the base, on the base of the Statue of Liberty, that you find the words of a poem written by a lady named Emma Lazarus. And Emma wrote this poem as part of a fundraising campaign to raise money to build the base. The poem is called The New Colossus, and in part, some of its words, some of its words are very familiar to you. They've become part of our American story, part of our heritage, and part of the promise that we make to our world. Give me your tired your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the, the wretched refuse of your teeming shores, send these the homeless, tempest-tossed, I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And for the thousands who came through the port there at Ellis Island, looking for a home, looking for a land of opportunity, those words were more than a, more than a poem, more than a promise, they were a pledge liberty for all. We're very fond of saying that America is founded on Christian values. And one of the key values that we would point to is our love of freedom, our love of liberty, the liberty that we enjoy. But you know, the promise there at the base of the Statue of Liberty, it, it's not a Christian value. It goes back further than that. It goes back before the foundation of the people of Israel, in fact. It's an example that was seen in their father and in Abraham himself. But before that, it's a quality that is seen in God, that God demonstrates for us. That quality of offering a home, offering liberty, offering freedom, offering hospitality. It's God who made room for us by giving us a home, by giving us the garden and it is God who continues to call us to him and calls us to offer liberty and hospitality for all. We're going to be in Leviticus today. I can probably count on one finger the number of sermons I've preached from Leviticus. And so we're going to be in Leviticus today, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. If you're using those blue Bibles in front of you, it's all the way back in page 98, Leviticus chapter 19. If you're using a device, there's going to be a few other scriptures we're going to go through. If you've got the Bible app, I'd encourage you to follow along on that. Leviticus is a foundational document for the for the people of Israel, much like we might look at our Constitution or even our Declaration of Independence, the, 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 the book of Leviticus tells the Jewish people who they are and what they are to be about. It gives them their laws and their responsibilities. It tells them how they are to treat others. But at the heart of the book of Leviticus, and at the heart of all of those books of the law that we find in the beginning of our Old Testament, there is uh, the, the reminder that this is how you approach God. This is how you 
are to be my people. There are statutes that we find here in Leviticus that continue to this day, and there are statutes that we see lived out in the life and in the character of Jesus himself. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You hear in those verses, foundational to our treatment of each other. Uh, there is this call to remember that when we were strangers, God gave us a place. You know, the rationale behind these verses does not begin with the need of the stranger. It doesn't begin because someone needs help. It, it doesn't begin with the promise of immigration or a home or a land of opportunity. It begins with God. It begins with what he has done for his people. And it begins with a reminder that you were strangers once. You were strangers in the land of Egypt, and your God loved you. And for you and me, it's a reminder that when we were lost, when we were slaves in our sin, God rescued us. He set us free. He called us to Him. You know, for our faith to be faith, that's where it has to begin. It has to begin with what God has offered us. God has shown us hospitality. God has invited us into his presence. God has rescued us when we were enslaved to sin. So often we find ourselves complaining about people who seem to feel entitled. They feel entitled to this. They feel entitled to that. Realize you have no entitlement to the salvation that you love. You have no entitlement to heaven. You have no right to his grace. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says, you are no longer slaves, you are sons. And if sons, then you are heirs to God. That is a gift of grace. No longer slaves. That's what liberty is all about, being set free. One of the often overlooked elements of the Statue of Liberty is that her left foot is moving forward and as it does, it is trampling on shackles. It is trampling on the chains that had, that had bound her. She has been set free. She is pushing forward. The statue represents what our country had just been through a few years before it was given to us. We had been through civil war. We had been through a war fighting slavery. Her foot is free. And as her foot has been freed, she moves forward to set others free, to set the captives at liberty. The way, that we, the way that we welcome others, the way that we welcome strangers is a response to the freedom that we've been shown. And because we love freedom, we love the liberty we enjoy, this passage reminds us, love your stranger as yourself. We're reminded to love your stranger as yourself. You hear it? It sounds familiar. It's there in verse 34. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. Yeah, it's, it's kind of riffing on a verse that happens a little earlier, just a few verses back in Leviticus 19, verse 18. That's where we read, you shall, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
Love your neighbor. There it is. You realize that verse right there? That verse is quoted in the New Testament seven times. Seven times in the New Testament we're brought back to that one verse. Paul quotes it. Jesus quotes it. After calling us to love our neighbor, then 16 verses later, the call is to love your stranger. Love the stranger among you. Before your neighbor is your neighbor, your neighbor is a stranger. And that's where that love has to start. And that's where our faith in Jesus finds its power. That's where it finds its effectiveness. That's where it finds its impact on our world. The way that we care for those that we don't even know yet. The way we care for strangers. And all through the Bible, we heard it today in our psalm that we began with as a call to worship. We hear it over and over again. This call to love strangers. This call to love sojourners. That's a word. It's a very old word, sojourner. And it means people who are on a journey. It means people who are traveling. It's, it's someone who's, who's just passing through, maybe. It's kind of like that old hymn that we sing, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through, right? You know, we, we, we think about the sojourners that are just passing through. There's a complimentary passage to Deuteronomy chapter 10. In Deuteronomy 10 verses 18 and 19, it says of God, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner. How does he love the sojourner? Giving him food and clothing. And then the call is, love the sojourner therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You hear it, God provides for the strangers. God provides for the sojourner. And the call then is, therefore, you, you care for the sojourner. You love them also. You show them hospitality. And what I hope you don't miss is that that little passage there in Deuteronomy chapter 10, that, that becomes the heart of one of the most defining parables that Jesus gives us. A, a parable that defines who Jesus is, a parable that defines what it means to be his follower, who we're supposed to be. Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Got it quoted right here. Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats. What's the difference between those who follow Jesus and those who don't follow Jesus? Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36, Jesus says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. What does God do for the sojourner? He gives them food and clothing. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. The background of that story is found right there in, in Deuteronomy chapter 10. Sometimes today we think of the law as irrelevant. We think of the Old Testament as, as irrelevant. Or if we don't think it's irrelevant, we use it to beat up people that don't agree with us. We tell them what they're doing wrong. Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. Jesus lived these verses out for us. He put flesh and bone behind the call to hospitality, the call to love the stranger. And what you and I have come to see is that our hospitality, the hospitality that we show, our hospitality is a reflection of the liberty that we know through Jesus. Jesus has set us free. He set us free from our sin. He set us free from the ways that we failed. He set us free from the things that we are ashamed of. So how do we respond to that? Well, we can't turn around and set him free. We don't need to set him free. He doesn't need for us to set him free. 
And so the call is love your neighbor as yourself. Love your stranger as yourself. Take the freedom that you've been given and extend that to others. That's what hospitality looks like. Liberty and hospitality for all. I think about the stories of all those people passing through the port at Ellis Island, coming to America, escaping escaping the persecution they had in other countries, coming here, those thousands, those, those tired, those poor, those huddled masses, coming here looking for freedom. What they made of their lives not only changed their lives and their stories, it changed our national story. It impacted the, the fabric of our, of our, natural, our national story. And some of them you know. I think about the ones that you know. Maybe you didn't realize that these people passed through, that they immigrated, they came to Ellis Island. You think of a name like name like Bob Hope, right? Familiar name? Bob Hope as a child came through Ellis Island, saw the Statue of Liberty there. Bob Hope, Irving Berlin, Cary Grant, Albert Einstein. And I know those are some very old names. I suspect most of you remember them. But if those names aren't familiar, here's one that is Chef Boyardee. Chef Boyardee came to America, came through Ellis Island. You have SpaghettiOs in your pantry today because of Chef Boyardee and because of the Statue of Liberty. I think our church has shown amazing hospitality. I think we've shown legendary hospitality at times. You, you have been so welcoming to people. I think of stories like Sammy, Sammy and Mary Marimi. You took Sammy and Mary in, you gave them a home, you gave them a place to serve, a place to be valuable, you welcomed them. I think of a man that you may have forgotten, but a young Jamaican man that came here when I was in junior high, his name was Sylvester Wallace, he was a student at Lincoln, and one of our youth ministers brought him home, you took care of him, you fed him, you welcomed him, you provided for him, you gave him a place to serve. He taught my Sunday school class from time to time. I look up Sylvester Wallace on the internet and I find that he's preaching at a church in New York. He has gone out there and is having a very wonderful ministry out there. More, more recently, the way that you welcomed a few years ago, you welcomed the Crane family. Back when it was just John and Amy and Jack, you welcomed the Crane family here. You gave them a home. You gave them a place to serve. Talking to Amy, she said it was the hospitality of one person in this church that kept them coming back. Just the hospitality of one. If you remember early on, after Lizzie was born, Lizzie needed a little surgery. They, they didn't know how they were going to afford that. And in the middle of the night, I called them or texted them and said, we've got the money. We're going to cover that surgery. I'll meet you someplace and get the money to you. You made that kind of an impact. You cared for them. They sojourned with us for a while and we're so thankful. You gave them a home. You set them free. You've taken this call, this call to hospitality seriously. You've taken this call that we see in scripture and that we see as our nation seriously. And you realize the Statue of Liberty is more than just a, more than just a monument. It's not just a statue. It actually has a purpose. It serves a purpose. It is a lighthouse. And you think about all of those years before technology, before GPS, before everything else, and radar and everything else we've got, that was the light that guided people into the harbor there. That's the light that brought them home. A lighthouse for the tired, the poor, those lost, those in need of saving, those sailors trying to find their way home. 
What did Jesus say about you? What did he say about us? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hillside cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and hide it under a basket. No, they put it on a stand. They, they lift it high so that it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. The way you welcome others, the way that you care for strangers, that is you being a light, being a lighthouse for others. That draws people to a safe harbor, a place where they know they're loved, a place where they know they're accepted, a place where they know they're forgiven, where they can know the blessing of a place to call home, even if it's just sojourning for a little while, a church that they can call home, a place to serve, a place to know they're valuable, a place to know that they belong. That is what the gift of hospitality does. That's what your hospitality does. That's what happens when you shine the light of Jesus. We're going to take communion in just a moment. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I'll draw everyone to me. I've said over and over again, that's the thing that we have to do. That is our call as a church, is to lift up Christ. We don't lift up our programs. We don't lift up our beautiful building. We don't lift up all the things that we have and all the things that we can do. We lift up Jesus. That is the only source of promise. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. We come together today to remember that when he was lifted up on the cross, he gave everything to us. He gave us his all. His body broken, his blood shed, so that you and I might come to him, so that you and I might be welcomed into his presence. We remember that through communion. Let's also remember it in the way that we shine the light for others, in the way that we welcome others in our fellowship and welcome others home. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. Lord, every one of us have been recipients of a gift of hospitality. Someone welcomed us. Someone brought us home. And we thank you, Father, for those that went out of their way to show kindness, to care for us, and to, to just provide whatever friendship, whatever need we might have had. Because, Lord, it's, it's a reflection of what your Son has done for us. It's a reflection that in Him uh, we have been welcomed into your presence. We ask your blessing over the bread that represents his body broken, the cup that represents his bloodshed. And Father, we don't just ask your blessing over what we do now as we take this together, but where we take it from here. Lord, help us to shine that light. Help us to, to, uh, to be that lighthouse that you call us to be. Help us to welcome the strangers, the travelers. Help us to love them as we love ourselves. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.